Matthew chapter 9. We're picking up where we left off last week and we're talking about being activated, being activated into who God has called us to be and who God, what God has called us to do. And as we were in worship in that powerful song, I just found myself meditating on this verse here in Matthew 9. Let me pray and then we'll just, we'll hit the ground running this morning. Father, we love you so much. We honor you. We bless you, oh God. There is no one like you in the heavens and the earth. There is no one who is as great as our God. We say that you and you alone are worthy of all of our praise and all of our affection and all of our worship, all that we are, we give to you because you and you alone are worthy of it, God. Jesus, we bless you today. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome your activity and we welcome your ministry in this place. You are the teacher, you are the counselor, you are the one who is called alongside of us and we ask that you would lead us today into all truth. We pray that mindsets today that are not in alignment with your truth, that they would be shattered and that our minds would come into agreement with the truth of your word, that lives would be set free. In Jesus' name, if you guys can agree with that, shout amen this morning. Amen. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Just a little side note here, three-fold ministry of Jesus, teaching, preaching, and healing. He taught people, he discipled them in the ways of the kingdom, he preached the message of the kingdom, and he healed. Preaching, teaching, and healing, three-fold ministry of Jesus right there, and we see this over and over and over again in his ministry. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Would you mind saying that with me this morning? The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. God, I ask that you give us a revelation of that. And then it says here in this final verse, it says in verse 38, ask the Lord. Some translations say, pray to the Lord of the harvest. You know, there's a lot of names for God in the scriptures. Redeemer, faithful, sovereign, almighty. I remember many years ago, a friend came to me and he said, you know, one of the names of God is the Lord of the harvest. That's one of his names. It's one of the ways that he's revealed himself. Names reveal character. It's part of the character of God that he is the God of the harvest, that he gets glory when harvest comes to him. And so Jesus is giving us a very specific command to address God in a very specific name. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. And then he says this, pray to send out workers into his harvest field. It's interesting, Jesus doesn't tell us to pray that the harvest would come in. He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers into the harvest field. Any workers in the house here this morning? If you've been saved longer than a day, you're a worker. How many of you guys know Jesus? Come on, how many of you guys know Jesus? You're a worker. How many of you guys are in the kingdom? You're a worker. You're a worker. We're not just spectators here, we're contributors. Isn't that right? 
right? If you belong to the family, family members have responsibility and every member of the family is a worker. That's how it works. And so I want us to pray this very quickly before we launch out. I want us to, I want us to activate this because I believe that as we walk through this series, that we have the potential to have our lives absolutely turned upside down. You know, as we were worshiping this morning, the thought entered into my mind, entered into my heart, that for some of us, Christianity and our life of faith in Christ is lacking something. And we're actually looking to the wrong source to have that thing that is missing be fulfilled. In other words, some of us have become a little apathetic and a little lethargic in our passion. And I wanna submit this to you today. Here's what I wanna submit. I wanna submit that if your life in the spirit is a little dry and it's a little empty and it's a little, uh, it's missing something, if your passion and your hunger and your devotion for Jesus is lacking, I wanna encourage you, ask the Lord of the harvest to send you into the harvest field. Because what happens is this is a vital component of life in the, in, in the spirit. It's a vital component of life in the kingdom. And when we're not with him in doing what he's doing, then we get a little dry. We get a little lethargic. And then we get a little cynical and we get a little critical. And that's what happens when we're not on assignment with the Lord of the harvest. You know, Christianity devoid of working with God on a missional assignment is broken. It's broken. It's a broken, it does not work. Part of your joy and your freedom and your victory and your abundance of life is connected with you actually getting involved in the work that God is involved in. Now, I know that might be a little bit of a paradigm shift for us because we think, man, if, if we're... Uh, if we're not fired up for God, then we just have to get alone longer in his presence. And there is a place for that. But devotion devoid of mission is lacking fire and passion. You can't separate the two. So I want us to activate this. I want us to pray to the Lord of the harvest this morning for all of you guys who are bold enough to pray this with me. I want you just to pray, uh, Lord of the harvest, would you send me into the harvest field? This week, send me into the harvest field. This week, I ask for divine encounters with people that need you and people that don't know you in Jesus' name. What would happen if you prayed that every day when you woke up? You know, when we prayed together in our small group over here, one of the guys that I was praying with, uh, he said, I don't know who this person is and I don't have a face, but the Lord gave me a name. And what would your life look like when if you got up in the morning, you said, Lord, would you give me a name? Would you give me a name? Imagine how exciting your Christianity would be if you were playing Where's Waldo, right? Every day. Huh? There's something that's built into us where we like to hunt and look and seek and search and find and explore and discover. That's why little kids love Easter so much or what we've made out of it because there is, there is a joy and a thrill in hunting and finding. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 7, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find. What are you seeking for? 
Because God's seeking for souls. He's always looking. He's always on the hunt. He's always on the search. And to the degree that we partner and participate with him in the search for the only thing on the planet that is eternal in nature. Do you know there's only two things that are eternal in nature? The word. Jesus says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So the word of God is eternal and men's spirits are eternal. The only two things that are eternal in nature. So to the degree that you and I master in the word and put that word in people's spirits, we're investing into eternity. How many are with me this morning? Are you with me this morning? Let's get on assignment with God. And I wanna free you up today to know that this doesn't have to look like what your preconceived notion of what it means to be on assignment with God looks like. You don't have to be anybody else's personality. Nobody's, if you're not super outgoing, don't be super outgoing, be you. And God will give you opportunities and creative ideas that work with who you are. Maybe you're quiet, but you love to cook. Invite somebody over and cook together. Just whatever it is. You may not be a small group person. You might be a one-on-one person. You might get super uncomfortable with one-on-one and you need 10 people around you. Whatever it is, go for it. But I'm telling you, we're gonna blow the lid off. This is a time of our lives to take the lids off. To take the lids off of what it means to be on missional journey and assignment with God. And I promise you, I promise you with my life that your Christianity will go to another level when you start getting invested on a personal level with someone who either doesn't know Christ or is new in the family. It will turn your life upside down. As a a father of seven-month-old twins, Huh? I was trucking along and I, I had everything figured out and now I have nothing figured out anymore. And everything's new and everything's exciting and everything's a new challenge and everything's a new lesson and that's the way life should be in the kingdom. In fact, if you're trucking along and, every, and you got it all figured out, you need to get disrupted. You need to get disrupted. And the best way to get disrupted is to get involved with somebody who doesn't know everything about the scriptures like you do. One of the reasons why we're so critical is because we already figured everything out. So, get, if, so if you know it all already, which obviously a lot of you do based on some conversations I've had, okay, all right now, since you know it all, why don't you get with someone who doesn't know anything? All right, all right, I'm starting to meddle now. Come on, laugh a little bit, relax a little bit this morning. You know, there's an incredible ministry here in the city called Mercy's Gate. It's an incredible city. It's a kingdom ministry that carries the heart of God for the poor, the lost, the broken, and the downtrodden in our city. And uh, it is very possible. You know, it dawned on me a number of years ago working youth ministry. I'll never forget the day that it just, this just exploded in my heart. I realized that it is absolutely possible. I want you to catch this. It is absolutely possible to go through life and be so insulated from the reality of the brokenness around us that we could actually go through, we're actually setting up systems where kids could grow and go through life and have no to little 
involvement in the reality of brokenness in people's lives. They're homeschooled and they go straight from homeschool to an internship that they're surrounded with Christians. Maybe they go from an internship and get married or go to a Christian college and then they get married and then they just repeat the process all over. And I remember I thought to myself, this is, this is not good. I'm not saying anything against homeschooling. I'm not saying anything against Christian colleges. I'm for all of them. I participate in some of them. But what I'm saying is, is that if we create lives that insulate ourselves from the reality of brokenness around us, we are missing out on an incredible opportunity. And this week when I was at Mercy's Gate, sat down with this young man. And I tell you, every time that I go, Here's my procedure. I go, I'm one of the last ones to leave with our team. I walk out to my car, I turn the car on, I sit. And sometimes I just weep. And sometimes, every time I just pray, I pray for every name and I pray for every person who's gone in there. And the need is so much greater than the resource that this ministry has or other ministries around town. The need is so great when you sit down and you listen to the stories of people people who have been beaten, people who have been sexually abused, people who have been turned away, kids who have been kicked out of their homes, people who have absolutely no money. They don't know how they're going to make it the next day. Ran into a lady one one time. She was living in a a shack out in, I'm like, how do you even do this? She's living out in a shack way out in the fields, living off of propane tanks. And I thought, how is this even possible? It's good for us to be acquainted with the reality of hardship of people's lives. And that is not to demean or diminish the reality of hardship in our lives. But there is an economy in the kingdom. And the economy in the kingdom is that when you need something, you don't take it, you give it. If you need encouragement, you know the best way for you to get encouragement? You go find somebody who needs more encouragement than you and you go encourage them. And if you need finances, you go find somebody who has a need and you give them finances. And if you need prayer, you go find somebody who needs prayer and you pray for them. And I promise you what will happen is good down, press, press down, good measure, shaken together and running over. Those things will get poured into your lives. And that's not to say that there are times in your lives where You're just at the end of your rope. And I understand that. And I I want you to hear my heart when I'm saying there are times for us to receive. Don't be so proud that we can't receive and let's not twist this up, but know that there is an economy. There is an exchange in the kingdom. It is so into the thing that you need the most. God will restore that to you. He will bring it your way. All right, let's, let's walk a little bit. Last week, for those of you guys who were with us last week, I'm going to do a three-minute review. For those of you who were not, this is just a broad, broad overview. Last week, we talked about a concept called everything is spiritual. Everything. And um, we identified what I consider to be one of Satan's greatest lies that he has sown into the church, where he has separated what we call the sacred or those things that we deem to be spiritual from everything else. And we just introduced, we just did an introductory um, conceptual framework of this idea that we call dualism and how really we live very dualistic lives. Dualism just means separated lives. 
and how we, by nature, by, by the air that we breathe in the culture that we've been birthed into, by nature, we just separate things. You know, what, 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 what we deem to be spiritual is valuable and it looks like one thing and everything else is bracketed off. And that is not the kingdom. The kingdom is holistic and it is comprehensive in nature. The kingdom is not separated, segmented and classified and compartmentalized. Are you with me? In other words, the same joy and victory that you experience here is the same joy and victory that you should be walking in every day, all the time with every person. Okay, moral standards, consistent. Beliefs, worldview, consistent everywhere, all the time. Every person. That's the comprehensive nature of the kingdom. I'm so excited here in a couple of weeks, we're gonna talk about um, the fact that God has a way for every arena of life. He has a wisdom for every arena of life, not just what we deem the spiritual arena of life. But what I wanna do this morning is I wanna introduce, for some of you guys, this may be new, and for some of you, this may be very, very um, old news. But there is a phrase that was coined in the late 70s called the seven mountains. I wanna just introduce this thought to you and um, submit it to you as I believe something that should guide the way that we look at the world. Now, if you remember our talk last week, we had an article from Landa Cope that uh, referenced this experiment that was going on in the Dallas area. And the idea that, that guided this project was the underlying premise that where there are more churches and where there are more Christians, then we should start seeing more progress and we should start seeing more benefit to society. And actually the exact opposite was taking place. Per capita at that time that the study was being done, Dallas, Texas had more churches than any place in the nation, yet the level of crime and poverty and injustice and racism and all of these things that we would look at and say, this is broken and this is not right, it was, it was higher than other places. And when pastors of the city were asked about this, this their response was, we are not concerned about those things. We are concerned about spiritual matters. And this just highlights the, the dualistic reality that a lot of us have adopted and particularly pastors. I'm kind of on a crusade to make sure every pastor in the world hears this and understands this. There's a great guy, if you've never read anything by Francis Schaeffer, I encourage you, um, Pick up anything that you can by Francis Schaeffer. There's a book that he wrote called A Christian Manifesto. And in it, he writes, the basic problem of Christians in this country in the last 80 years or so in regard to society and in regard to government is that they have seen things in bits and pieces instead of totals. Just another way of saying everything that I've said, that when we start seeing things compartmentalized and separated, instead of seeing it in a holistic manner, we get into a lot of trouble. In other words, Christians have been guilty of compartmentalizing spiritual from secular. The area where we predominantly see this default thinking is in the arena of our work, whatever work you have been assigned to, whatever work you've been assigned to, all right? And so in order to address a holistic worldview, and this is what we're talking about, we're talking about being activated. And activating, like I said last week, does not mean that your sole value is found in what you do in the expression of a local church. 
We love it. We believe in it. And I said this last week, businessmen, you're supposed to make tons of money and it's not just to give to your local church. You're supposed to make tons of money. You're supposed to, you're supposed to be an example of what it means to lead a business. You're, you're supposed to create models of how to disciple and train up leaders in the context of having a kingdom worldview of work. And that goes for every single one of us. So for us to really understand the message of activation, we have to have a biblical worldview as it relates to the concept of work all around us. Are you with me this morning? In 1975, a man by the name of Bill Bright, if you've never heard the name Bill Bright, he led a ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ. And Lauren Cunningham, who was the founder and the leader of YWAM, or Youth with a Mission, they had lunch together in Colorado. God simultaneously gave each of these men a message to give to the other. During that same time frame, Francis Schaefer was given a similar message. So here you have three pillars in the Christian community in the mid-70s, and they're all hearing something at the same time, and they're connecting so that they can discuss this. That message was that if we are to impact any nation for Jesus, then we would have to affect the seven spheres or arenas or mountains of society that comprise the pillars of any society. Now, let me, let me just throw these up on the board for you to see these. And again, some of you guys, this is very familiar to you, but unless we're really interacting with this on a very intentional level, we can't just dismiss this as, oh, I, I understand that conceptually. This right here is a very important component of us destroying a dualistic worldview as it relates to work. So, All of work is not limited to these seven groupings. This is just good categories for us to look at all of life in. Family, what does this mean? It, it, I mean, we are in the throes of a culture war right now, redefining what family is, redefining genders, redefining what marriage is, redefining covenant, all of that. And, and listen, scripture has something to say about all of those things. And to the degree that we follow the biblical principle and pattern of that, to that degree, we'll experience the biblical blessing. Are you with me this morning? So now there is, there is an arena of work that is involved in the family. And we talked about this last week, like moms who are at home, you need to know that this is your assignment. That is your work. And in the same way, and we said this last week, the same way that somebody would spend hours and hours and hours of time fasting and praying and worshiping and studying to prepare for something like what I'm doing today, if we understand that everything is spiritual, then we can invest the same amount of time and energy and attention into doing that for our children because that is our vocation or our assignment. That is an arena of society that is extremely important. And we can load you up with a ton of studies and statistics and show that when the family breaks down, society breaks down. Economically, governmentally, educationally, the art looks different. Everything breaks down when that family unit breaks down. All right, there is an arena, and I just, for lack of better words, put religion up there. And it just means the vocation of spirituality, religion, or church matters. And there are some that would say, well, I don't really consider that a, a, a bona fide arena because we should all be doing that. Well, the truth of the matter is there is a place for, for lack of better words, vocational or professional clergy. There is a place for that. 
people that would devote their time, their time to study, to prayer, to preparation, to making sure that doctrine is sound. Uh, we should all be doing that, but there are some that, can, that should devote themselves to doing that on a higher level. All right, government. In fact, why don't you, um, and I don't have time to go into a complete biblical worldview of government, but I did wanna insert this. Go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter four. Deuteronomy chapter four. And I'm, I'm going somewhere with all this. I just want you to walk with me for a little bit. Because as you begin to think about being activated on an individual level, every one of us should understand, and we'll talk more about this in, in, in two weeks. In two weeks, the message will be very, very helpful for you. But I think a good starting point is for every single one of us to identify, is there an arena where your assignment, your gifting, your work, your expression finds a place? Where, which one is that? It's a great starting point. Deuteronomy chapter four, look with me at verse, we'll start with verse five so we get the full context. See, I've taught you, this is God speaking, I've taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, Moses speaking via the voice of the God, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations. Remember last week we said that the gospel of the kingdom is not relegated to individuals alone. The gospel of the kingdom is actually designed for nations, okay? And when we scale things down, when we scale the gospel of the kingdom to individuals alone, we miss the mark because that is only one part of our assignment. One part of our assignment is to bring individuals into the kingdom. The other part of our assignment is to disciple nations. And this is a part of this. I'm so excited about this series. This will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, listen what the nations will say. Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Wouldn't that be, ama wouldn't it be amazing if the nations, whatever it is you follow, BBC or The Economist or whatever it is, whatever news source you follow, wouldn't it be amazing if we started receiving reports where the nations were standing up and going, this nation is a wise nation. This nation is an understanding nation. This nation is a prosperous nation. That nation is a righteous nation. And we want to send delegates and ambassadors to that nation to find out what they're doing in their schools. Do you realize that when America was founded, that there were people that would come to America? There's a man by the name of Alexis de Tocqueville who came from France and he came on the heels of the French Revolution to study America, to find out what it was about America that made us so great. I believe that can still be in our future. It depends on an educated citizenry. It depends on an educated kingdom citizenry. It depends on a people that helps shape the culture of the land with biblical principles and values. But listen here in verse seven, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws? This right here is a biblical worldview of government. I want, you to, I want you to hear this again. I'm gonna read this one more time. What other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting before you today? See, unless you and I lived in a place where corruption 
and tyranny and dictatorships and human freedoms and privileges and rights were completely stripped from us, we wouldn't truly be able to understand the richness of what's being communicated here. Are you understanding what I'm saying today? There is such thing as righteous laws and there is such things as unrighteous laws. And unless you've tasted the injustice of unrighteous laws, we can't, we, we can't really appreciate righteous decrees enough to fight for them. And we need revelation of that. There are some of you that are called to the arena of government. How many of you feel like in this room that you would say, I feel like government, not, not you know, I, I'm, I'm interested in politics and I vote. I'm talking about, guys, that's like way down there at square one. I'm talking about people that feel in some way, whether it be legislation or public policy, or um, maybe you feel called to, to judge, whatever it may be. How many of you feel called to work? Your expression of work, your vocation of work is that arena. Let me see some hands here. One, two, three. Military would fit in this. Four, five. Yes, yes, absolutely. All right. Uh, throw your hands up again. In fact, stand up. Everybody stand up who feel called to the arena of government. I'm going to go back and do this with the other ones, but I'm going to just do this with you guys now. Everybody stretch forth your hands and we declare in the name of Jesus, God, righteous governors, righteous rulers, father, men and women of the spirit of Daniel, I just declare today the spirit of Daniel, the spirit of Daniel, the spirit of Esther, the spirit of Joseph be upon you, wisdom. I declare over you today a marriage of wisdom and revelation, favor to be upon you. We declare over you a protection, another level of protection from the warfare and every political spirit that comes against you. We declare that it will not prosper, the slander, the accusation that comes against you to pull you down. We just say over you, be activated, come up to a higher level of understanding. We say, may the Lord cause you to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That your words would be words that are like, that they would have the exact answer for the exact problem that is being looked upon on national levels, even on global levels. So Father, we say, would you take the thinking higher of the people that are called to this arena of society to influence, to leaven with the principles of the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Amen, we agree with that. Family, religion, government, business. Business. Business is so important to the kingdom. There is a way to do business God's way. With biblical principles and business or, or biblical ethics, in fact, in many ways, there are certain things and, and, you can, and you can study different people that are out there and it just, it makes me laugh when I see people that are not necessarily Christians, but they've caught on to biblical principles and they work. They work. I mean, you know, the other day I was in a Starbucks and, you know, if you haven't been to Starbucks in a while, now Oprah Winfrey is like all over Starbucks now. I was like, first she's on the, I can't get away from her in the newsstands and she's at the gym. <laughs> Everywhere I go, there's Oprah, right? Now I can't even have a latte without Oprah. Beautiful, big teeth smiling at me. I'm like, there she is again. But you know what it is? Biblical principles. She's one of the most giving people on the planet. I remember one time Christy was watching Oprah, this was years ago, and she goes, I just want to go on there because I'm going to get something. <laughs> 
You have no idea what you're going to get. She'll, she'll just surprise you. Huh? We're not talking about little gift bags with mints inside of them. We're talking about gift bags with keys to cars. <laughs> what, what, what is that? She understands that those who are generous will themselves be refreshed. She understands that when you give, it shall be given back unto you. And biblical principles work. There is a way to do business God's way. And I want, there are, there are some of you that are called to be business owners. There are some of you who are business owners. There are some of you that God's going to start giving you ideas on how to begin leveraging your business to end poverty or to finance schools. There are some of you that God's going to give you business strategies and plans that will literally be models to transform nations on micro levels. How many of you guys can see that? How many can feel that? Come on, talk to me this morning. Do you know that as a business owner, that your role and responsibility is not just to be the boss and tell everybody what to do. It's actually to create an environment that is conducive to discipling people into their identity and into their destiny. And if you're called into the mountain of business, I want you to stand up this morning. Business owners, entrepreneurs, ready stretch your hands out to these business owners. New ideas. Father, bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Cause them to expand. Cause them to increase. Father, we thank you that these are master problem solvers. Father, we thank you that in the arena of business, you're going to show them some things. I just, I just hear in my spirit, in the beginning, uh, the heavens and earth were void and God spoke. And everything that God said came forth. And the Lord says unto you, write down the vision. Write down the vision and make it plain so that those who see it may run with it. And the Lord is saying to you that if you would ask me, there are things that I will show you that you have not written down yet and you've not thought of yet or dreamed of yet. But if you will, if you will ask me, I will show you and I will make it clear to you and it will become an anchor point for you and you will expand and enlarge your tents because there are many, and I say this to you today, there are many that will come underneath the shade of your tent. There are many that will come underneath the shade of your tent and you will be used in a mighty way to restore dignity to the earth and dignity to humanity. I, I see garments, old garments, like these, these shabby clothes and they're just, they're being shed almost like a snakeskin. They're being shed one layer after another, after another. And, and then just this, this glowing radiance emerging from people and your business will be used to bring transformation to marriages. There will be marriages. There will be families. There will be an entire lineages that will be turned around as a result of the wisdom that God will give you in the arena of business. Take the limits off. We bless you in the arena of business in the name of Jesus. Clap your hands to the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Let me just hit a couple more of these very quickly. These are all pretty self-explanatory. No nation can thrive and prosper without people that know how to create and generate. Can't do it. And don't have time to get into all the different philosophies of, of economics and wealth generation and all those things. But wherever, see, here's the, here, when you scale it all down, God is into uh, ownership He's into proprietorship. He's into innovation. It is not coincidental that the Bible begins revealing the creative nature of God. 
And it's also not coincidental that the Bible reveals the first thing that God gives man is ownership. Ownership. Because where there's ownership, there's creative incentive because there's, cre there's investment. And if you remove investment, you lose incentive and people are not inspired to be all that God has created them to be. You are gonna pull creativity out of people. Education. Education is an arena of society that to the degree that we educate in one generation, the, 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 the culture of our society will be shaped in the next. So this is superintendents, this is curriculum designers, this is teachers, this is homeschoolers, this is people that are paying attention to um, go government initiatives as it relates to controlling what is being taught and what is not allowed to be taught. This all ties into the arena of education that shapes a society. And again, if we had time, we could show you studies. We could show you studies on what's being taught and how it's being taught and over decades of generations, how nations thrive as a result of what is being taught. And there was a day when the Bible was the textbook for the American classroom. There was a day when people understood that the family mountain and the education mountain were one and the same. There was a day when parents understood that their primary responsibility was to train their children up. Not just morally, not just in their family, but they were responsible to train their children in a biblical worldview. You know, we call them universities, but you know, the word uni, universe, there's, you know, true education is not just uni in nature. True education is holistic in nature. Math, the sciences, the creative arts, the humanities, all of these things all come from a biblical center as opposed to segmenting them off and making them their own uni function. Are you with me? How many called to the education mountain in here? Who's called it? Go ahead and stand up. I want to pray for you this morning. Love all our educators. Father, we thank you right now for the, those that are called to the education arena whether they be students. In fact, every student, guess where you're called right now? Stand up, every student in the house, come on. That's the mountain, that's the arena of society that you're in right now. Father, every student, every teacher, every administrator, every superintendent, every curriculum designer, Father, we declare over them the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ. Father, we declare over you James 3, 17, that the wisdom from God is wisdom that is from above, not the wisdom that is from below. We thank you today and we declare over you today, this day, that there is an anointing to learn and understand and teach. We declare new concepts, the ability to take difficult things and make them simple. We declare the wisdom of God on how people learn on how to connect learning with teaching in a manner that explodes in understanding. We declared that there are new models of instruction that have yet to be discovered that will actually change the landscape of our culture. And we say, let those new models of teaching, let them come forth. Let a training anointing be upon you. There are some of you that are called to write and I just, I just pray over you and I declare over you the things that you will write will outlast you.
the things that you will write and you will find yourself sitting down and the, and the Lord will just breathe upon you and he'll begin giving you ideas and concepts that will actually create curriculum that will go into classrooms all across this nation and there'll be models for nations. And we say, let it be so Lord, even now. Father, we bless the educators on the battlefield of the uh, educational landscape of our society. Would you keep them safe? Would you cover them? Father, in the crossroads of ideas, I pray, Father, for conviction, that you would give them the ability to maintain the tension, the tension, Father, that exists in our culture today. Bless them, grace them, strengthen them in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Boy, we're running out of time here, but um, arts, entertainment, media, how many of you guys would say, yeah, we're called to one of these. So we're called to the arts, we're called to entertainment, whether that be sports, whether that be music, uh, you're called to media. Go ahead and stand up this morning. I wanna, I wanna end by praying for you. Media. It's so important that what is communicated is truth. Media. Media is the pathway and the pipeline for information. And if your information is off, it will take you to the wrong place. Wrong information, wrong destination, right? Media, very, very important. Pipeline and pathway for truth being disseminated to the constituents of a nation. I mentioned this last week, but the arts and the entertainment, they are the, they, the, the arts is what actually shapes, it shapes the value system of a society. And so everybody, just stretch forth your hands all across this room those that are called to one of these three mountains. And Father, we thank you right now for men and women of God that are involved, that are, that are diligently involved in one of these arenas of society. Father, I pray right now that you give them a, uh, an ability to stand out without ostracizing themselves. God, I pray that there would be the anointing of God upon them and make them so attractive. And Father, that they, you would give them such an understanding of how to win the hearts of people without compromising to the pressures of a culture. Father, those that are called to media in some form, whether it be writing or broadcast journalism, Father, I pray that you would give them a, a wordsmith anointing. Father, that when they write and when they speak, that even as you spoke to Moses and you said, I will make your words to be like the dew that settles upon the grass, that you would cause God their communication, that they would almost be like oracles from heaven, that they would be like prophetic oracles, that as they communicate, God, that they would capture the hearts and they would invigorate the minds and the imagination of an entire country or an entire culture. Give them the ability, Father God, to say old things in new ways. Give them the ability to communicate new ideas in a manner that sticks. God, I pray, make these people sticky. Sticky. Make them sticky in the spirit. Father, for all of our artists and our entertainers, God, we thank you that even as you anointed Bezalel, God, that you anointed him to do work in the arena of artistic designs and craftsmanship upon the tabernacle. Father, that you would put that same anointing upon these artists and put that same, the anointing of an artisan, the anointing, Father God, of those that can entertain and yet bring you glory. The anointing, Father God, to capture hearts and imaginations and then turn them and direct them to you, who is the ultimate artist 
And the one Father God who has the ability, who created festivity, who created celebration, who created Sabbath, who created rest. And so, Father, we pray this day that you would anoint these artists, these entertainers, and these communicators, Father God, to prosper and cause their influence to expand and increase for the glory of your name. Come on, let's shout today, amen, in Jesus' name. In closing, I want you to look at this verse of scripture with me found in 2 Timothy 1.9. I'll take 60 seconds on this scripture and then we'll just do an active, we'll just pray for, we'll just do an activation prayer for all of us. Those of you who are called to the arena of family and those of you who are called to the uh, ministry field, we just, we, we do, we bless you. We say, be activated. We be activated. I'll just throw your hands up. Ministry or family, people right now, God, just wow, look at this. Awesome, awesome. Let it increase. Let it rise. Let it rise on you. Let new doors, new doors, new doors, new doors, new doors, new doors in the name of Jesus. A new, a new anointing, a fresh anointing for your assignment at hand. Kingdom. I declare kingdom revelation and kingdom power and authority flow through you in such a powerful dimension that uh, new wineskins, that there are new wineskins of understanding and truth that you're bringing uh, to this, this arena specifically that will thrust the church forward and it will thrust the kingdom forward in every arena of society. And we agree together in Jesus' name. 2 Timothy 1.9 in the New American Standard says that God has saved us and called us. Say, I've been called with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his purpose. You have been called with a holy calling. You have been called with a holy calling. Every single one of you, you've been called with a holy calling. In one of these arenas, you've been called with a holy calling. It is not coincidental, it's not a mistake that the unique way that God has wired you, there is a mountain that you fit in. You fit somewhere, you belong somewhere. And as we get further and further into this series, we're gonna talk about process and we're gonna talk about you know the quiet years and we're gonna talk about all those things. But right now at the onset, you need to know that you don't have to go through life wandering or wondering. In fact, every student, in fact, if you're, let's close this way. If you're here and you feel like you're wandering or wondering, this is how we're going to close. I want you to stand up. If you feel like, I don't know what I'm called to do. I don't, I, I feel so lost. I feel so confused. I have no general sense of direction for what major I'm going to take or what job I'm supposed to pursue. If that's you, there's no shame in that. Stand up. We're going to pray for you as we end today. All right, church, just stretch forth your hands or if you're close to somebody, lay hands on them. And I believe that in this series, I believe that even right now in this moment, the Lord can and will speak to you. Some of you are in job transitions. If you're in a job transition and you're like, I don't know what the next step I'm gonna take is, go ahead and stand up this morning, if that's you. Decisions as it relates to your next field of employment, your next assignment, your next location. Got new people standing up, so just people lay hands on them. And this is how we're going to close today. We declare today uh, the word of the Lord come to you in the name of Jesus. Let the word of the Lord come to you. I pray that all confusion would be broken off of you. I pray that paralysis and fear would be broken off of you, that you would just be freed up to hear from God, that, when, that, that there would just be so many confirmations that are so from the Lord that come your way that it would be absolutely unquestionable and undoubtable this is the Lord and it's confirming something that is in your heart. 
Father, I thank you that the steps of the righteous person is ordered of the Lord. You are ordering their steps. You are ordering their next steps. And in this season of transition, we bless you to make the, to hear and to make the decision that God has for you. And that all of the things that need to fall in line and fall in place for those decisions, that they'll just begin to fall in line and they'll begin to fall in place for you. And the peace of the Lord will be upon you. Let the peace of the Lord rest upon you. Let the peace of the Lord rest upon you. Father, I pray visions. I pray dreams. I pray prophetic words. I pray in your word that you'd bring confirmation. Do it this week, even God, we pray. We have a, a level of faith to believe that there will be such direction that comes this week with wisdom. I pray wisdom upon you, revelation and wisdom. Wisdom, 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 wisdom be upon you for the decisions that you are making as it relates to your future. And I wanna say over you, friends, your future is a good future. It's a good future. It is a good future. It is a good future. It is a bright future. Yeah, your steps are being ordered. Every step has already been orchestrated and calculated. He has calculated your steps for you and you will find yourself in the right place at the right time for the right assignment to connect with the right people. And there's gonna be a thrusting. It's just a thrusting. It's just some, for some of you, you I hear the Lord saying, you're, you're in the chute. So you think you're walking around, but you're actually in the chute, you're, you're like cocked and loaded, okay? And uh, some of you are going to be shot out pretty quickly. So uh, let's all stand to our feet this morning. God, we bless you today. We're so grateful. We're so grateful, God. We bless you. Some of you just need to clap your way into victory today. We declare victory over our lives in the name of Jesus. We are the blessed. We are blessed. We are the head and not the tail. We are above only. We are not beneath. We are the lender to nations. We are the borrower to none. We declare the favor of God is on our lives. We declare that we are coming alive in a new way. We declare this day over our lives that we are not wanderers or wanderers. We are people that live on divine purpose with divine assignment. That at the end of our days, it will be said of us, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a small thing and see, I will give you even a greater thing. And so I declare over you today, Antioch Church, you will flourish in the land that God has given to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church. Have a great week.